Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. We cover all the latest casting and character announcements and discuss the trade paperback, Many Happy Returns. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. Uh, I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to discuss the trade paperback called Many Happy Returns with our special guest, Kat Calamia. Hey, Kat- how you guys doing? <laughs> hey, Kat. Kat <laughs> is one of the hosts of Legends of Tomorrow podcast, and she reviews comics on her YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Hayden Claire Heroes. So welcome to Supergirl Radio, Kat. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite Supergirl trades there are, so I'm really excited to talk about this. Awesome. That's so awesome. Can't wait to hear your take. Uh, but before we get to that discussion, first we have... The News. We have lots of casting news and character announcements to cover. Uh, first of all, let's start with Lucy Lane, who'll be played by actress Jenna Dewan Tatum. Uh, Lucy, the sister of Lois Lane, is described by TVLine.com as, quote, brash, funny, and beautiful as her sister Lois, yet strong, smart, and successful in her own right. In keeping with DC Comics lore, she will also be an ex-girlfriend of Jimmy Olsen and Kara's new Catco uh, media conglom colleague. Say that three times fast. <laughs> End quote. EW.com or EntertainmentWeekly.com added that Lucy is coming to town to right a previous wrong. I was laughing uh, so much about the, uh, you know, because I'm a Lois Lane fan, and so I was I was laughing about that. She's as beautiful as her sister Lois, and she's as br- brash and funny. So I was cracking up about that because there was one Sterling Gates book that we read where Lucy kind of had a, you know, kind of a little bit of a rivalry with Lois. Lois was always yeah. the, you know the straight-A student, you know, that that kind of had it all. And so I was kind of cracking up at this description. Yeah, Lois, I mean, uh, Lucy totally had, like, a chip on her shoulder about yeah. how, how great her sister is. It's so funny. Sterling Gates has some great uh, Lucy Lane stories. Uh, one of my favorites, which I'm pretty sure you guys covered, was the Superwoman one. So that's pretty exciting mm-hmm. with this casting because I feel like they're going that direction. Like, why introduce Lucy so early if you're not going to um, do the Superwoman arc? And also, I think they mentioned that there was a reason why they weren't calling Supergirl Superwoman. Um, uh, yeah, so I think in the trailer they kind of played on that. Um, which, oh, well, you know, what's so wrong about being called Supergirl? Uh, so I think, I think that I don't know if they're going to do it in season one, but I do think they're going to do this arc eventually. <laughs> oh, def- totally. Definitely. I, I think they're uh, going to ramp up the Superwoman thing at some point because I, I think that would be cool to see that kind of come to life. I was curious, though, as to what y'all thought about the whole Jimmy Olsen connection do you think they're going to play up a, a love triangle there <laughs> um well since you know jimmy is a grown man i'm sure he has 
loads of ladies all over the place. Um, no, but I, uh, I feel like, yeah, she's going to come to town. There's going to be like, you know, that, that spark of like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, how you doing? And then <laughs> Kara's going to kind of be there like, um, hi, remember me? I'm Kara. I'm mm-hmm. Supergirl. I can't tell you that, but I'm awesome. You should totally be paying attention to me. Um, I, I kind of hope that there will be at least a little bit of that. Cause I feel like it'll be adorable. Yeah. Uh, to watch Kara kind of flounder with that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, with Kara, I think it's just a crush. I, I don't. I hope it's not a love triangle, but I think it's just like she has a crush on Jimmy, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere else. So maybe the Lucy and Jimmy thing will be a, a little bit more heated. I think that will be more of a, a really shit that might happen more than the Kara the Jimmy thing. But I could be like totally wrong, but that's that's where I see it going. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be interesting if – they didn't do like a full blown love triangle, but maybe Kara is more protective of Jimmy. And so mm-hmm. if they do the superwoman thing, that could be a really cool dynamic where Kara and Lucy sort of <laughs> butt heads in regards to the Jimmy part of that or the James uh, part of that. So I think that would be an interesting dynamic in kind of how they go up against each other. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the Lane family, which I love to talk about, we will also be introduced to Lucy's father, General Sam Lane. No word yet on who will be playing him, but Variety.com says that we'll see him at some point during the first nine episodes of the series. So I assume that we will see the general in the same vein as we're going to see Lucy. So maybe they come in together. I don't know, but it seems like there'll probably be a, a connection there. I really am looking forward to what this show does with regard to family. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, interesting and different family dynamics that are being set up. And, uh, you know, from Kara and uh, Alex Danvers to, you know, apparently all of Lois, <laughs> Lois's relatives being introduced as well. Except, well. Lois. Ex- um, except for Lois. Except Lois. Right. I know. <laughs> so Lois's family's going to be hanging out and Lois is somewhere, like, hiding from them. Um but yeah, no, it's it's interesting that the show is very family focused, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how all that uh, connects together. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it, it's going to be very family focused, and it, it goes back to maybe Lucy being Superwoman because uh, she does have a military uh, background in the in the Superwoman um, arc. So maybe if you know if her father is coming to town, it, it might be the same thing of her maybe wanting to go into the military. Uh, and from what we saw in the trailer, it does seem like Supergirl will have some military-type government things in the show, too. So uh, it'll definitely yeah. be interesting. I was going to say, like, the, I'm sure that Sam Lane will have some kind of connection to um, to uh, that secret organization. Yes, yeah, the DEO. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and he'll probably be coming in specifically to to work with them. Although I feel like, I mean, just knowing Sam Lane from the comics that we read exclusively, um, the fact that he seems to be a little more untrusting of uh, aliens, whereas I feel like Kara will play a part in making the organization kind of understand that not all aliens are the same, you know? So it'll be an interesting dynamic to watch the potential headbutting that will happen. Yeah, and I like the idea that maybe Sam Lane will interact with Hank Henshaw because Hank Henshaw yeah. is going to be one of the big wigs in the DEO. So I think that would be a really interesting dynamic too. Variety also mentioned that we'll be seeing Red Tornado and Non. No official character descriptions for them yet, but Red Tornado is a member of the Justice League, Justice Society of America, and Young Justice. 
all the Justice Clubs, uh, <laughs> this person's a member, um, who first appeared in DC Comics in 1968. So they're going way back for a lot of their uh, their characters. Um, it's like this character and Lumberjack. I had no idea who they were. <laughs> um, and Nan is a Kryptonian who made his first appearance on the big screen in Superman the movie. Uh, after that, his comic book counterpart was created uh, by Richard Donner and Jeff Johns. Yeah, a lot of people, including myself, were very excited about the Red Tornado uh, bit of this because uh, what I know about Red Tornado is from Justice League Unlimited. And I know we've talked about some of those episodes uh, on this podcast. So it's going to be really right. cool because I think, as far as I know, this is going to be the first live action version of Red Tornadoes. So that is very exciting. Yeah, Red Tornado is super exciting. Also, because the current Red Tornado in the New 52 and Earth 2 is actually Lois Lane. So what? I don't know if they See, I'm not that. caught up with that. That is awesome. I'm going to have yeah. to uh, dig into this. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know that. No problem. Hope like maybe they can make a reference to it. I don't know if they would have mm. Lois as Red Tornado, but who knows with this show? I would love to see that. <laughs> we're, we're just saying that you know, no, we haven't heard about Lois appearing on the show yet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, I need to catch up on my my new fifty two. That's good to know. Yes. And uh, what do you think about Non? I personally don't have an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think- I'm like. Uh, sorry, none, go, none go ahead, No, I was like, none whatsoever. <laughs> I think he's probably just going to be somebody who Kara gets to beat up. He seems he seems like he's going to be a, a physical threat. I don't know how much of a story he's going to get, but he seems like they're they're. I think they're trying to find characters they can bring on so Kara can physically fight them, and I think Nan is a good example of that. Well, uh, all right, okay. <laughs> No, not many uh, opinions on non. Um, non at all. Non at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, at San Diego Comic-Con, we learned that Reactron would be showing up, and now we know who will be playing him. TVLine.com reported that, quote, Chris Browning will guest star on C- CBS's upcoming drama as Ben Kroll, a.k.a. Reactron, who wears an armored suit powered by nuclear energy. Unable to defeat his real rival, Superman, Kroll comes to National City hoping to get revenge on the Man of Steel by killing his cousin, Supergirl, unquote. And EW.com says we will see Reactron in Supergirl's third episode with the potential to recur. So I like that right out the gate, they are bringing in some of these big characters for Supergirl. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Although it's interesting how they're kind of changing up the, the relationship to Supergirl a little bit. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have the same family history as we've seen, you know, because in in the trades that we've read, you know, Reactron was responsible for, you know, Kara's father being killed. Right. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's kind of a different look at the character, but I hope they'll be exploring a lot of the same themes uh, that Reactron was used to explore with Supergirl in the comics, because that would be really, really cool to see on television. I'm sort of hoping that even if it's not like her Kryptonian parents that he messes with, maybe he'll mess with the Danvers family. Um, Because I feel feel like Reactron is a character who probably, you know, he's the character description talks about him wanting to get revenge. So uh, he seems like a character who is capable of doing whatever he needs to do in order to get his revenge. So I, I think it would be really cool, even if it's not going after her Kryptonian parents, maybe that's how they'll bring Helen Slater and Dean Kanan. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but who knows uh, what he'll do to get his revenge. 
that would be great uh, to see that. So, uh, yeah, that would just be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, too, because um, in the description, it also talks about him wearing an armored suit. And uh, it's interesting that he's not, I mean, according to the description anyway, it could, you know, there could be more to him than this, but uh, that it, he's not a powered being. So he's somebody like a, uh, you know, like an Iron Man or something who relies on the tech to, or like the Atom, um, who relies <laughs> on the tech to, uh, to, to do the job, um, which, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it seems like he would be easily defeatable. Is that a word? Like you'd get rid of his suit and then he's got no power. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, but you know, like f- find him when he's just walking around like Ben Kroll right. at Starbucks and you're good. Right. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Moving right along with the casting news, um, this I was really excited about. Um, actress Britt Morgan, whom you might know from True Blood, uh, will be playing Livewire. According to Variety.com, quote, Morgan's Leslie Willis is a confident, abrasive, and funny shock jock who works for Catco Media, the conglomerate owned by Cat Grant. When an accident makes her as dangerous and shocking as her words, Supergirl must stop her. I was thrilled to hear about this. Uh, I love Livewire. And um, the one thing I am, I'm definitely very sad that we won't get to hear the fabulous voice of Lori Petty doing this part because her voice was like so Livewire, but I do love the character and um, Britt Morgan is cool. She was also on for anybody out there who used to watch the middleman. uh, She was on the middleman as well, uh, which is very cool. So very glad to see her on Supergirl. Yeah, I like the description a lot for that, too, because, you know, one thing from also the trailers you see is that I think there's a good amount of story, not just about Supergirl, but about Kara also. Um, And I think this one is going to really mix the Supergirl with the Kara everyday life of being uh, working for Cat Grant. So this seems like a a fun little one-shot villain type thing, even though Livewire is a really cool villain. So uh, I hope she is more than just, you know, a throwaway villain, but uh, maybe we'll see her even more after this. Uh, Maybe she'll want revenge after (laughs) Supergirl defeats her in one episode, and we'll see her more throughout season one, uh, I guess depending how great the the character does. But the description actually sounds like a really fun episode, which is what Supergirl is all about, is this really fun superhero show. Yeah, and I'm I'm loving the idea that we're actually going to get to see Livewire's origin. We're going to get to see what makes her that way. So that is very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, Definitely. EW.com confirmed that actor Justice Leak has been cast as Helgramite. In their article, EW described him as, quote, entomologist Roderick Rose, who thanks to some experimentation, is transformed into an insect-like villain who draws his name from the actual Helgramite bug. Helgramite's comic book powers include super strength, improved jumping or hopping, in this case, and can produce cocoons to imprison foes or even transform them into larvae versions of himself. Unquote. Um, and I don't know if you guys, I think, Teresa, I sent you a link of what a Helgramite bug yeah. actually looks like. <laughs> They're so gross. They are pretty gross. Um, they're so horrible. They're like they're like they're the devil's insect. They're disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, they uh, they have uh, I don't know what it what's on the outside, but it looks like it has a little bit of protection on them, and they have some like kind of pincher 
things on the front of them. So I was not aware of the fact that a Helgramite was a real bug until I went to yeah. look. I actually had to go look up how you pronounce the name. Um, and so when I found that video, I was like, oh, this is a real thing that exists in the world. That is terrifying. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's, it's cool that, um, you know, this is a character that I had no knowledge of before. I didn't know that this villain existed. And I think there, yeah. I think Helgramite is in an episode of Batman Brave and the Bold. So if you want to check that out, um, he's in one of those episodes. So I think it's cool that we're getting some characters that might not be as famous or well-known, but they're interesting characters. So I'm excited to see what they do with him. Yeah. You know, I think what's really interesting about this piece of news is that First of all, they could show that they could do an insect creature on television. We'll see how it looks. Yeah. Uh, but also, Lana Lang is kind of known for being an insect queen every yep. once in a while. So maybe they're like foreshadowing that, hey, may this happen. If we ever introduce Lana Lang, which I think they should because uh, she's a big part in Kara's life. Uh, so uh, maybe that's what they're doing here. I don't know, but uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> I would love that. I was a big fan of the Kara Lana relationship in the Sterling Gates books. So I would love that. Yeah, totally. That was so good. Yeah. Um, also, I'm uh, amused by the fact that Justice League kind of sounds like Justice League. Yeah. It's like he was meant to be on the show. Yes. Um, and in this universe. Um, and for our last bit of casting news, uh, TVLine.com reported that Levi Miller has been cast as Cat Grant's son, Carter, who's set to appear in episode four. Um, now, you might know uh, Levi from uh, the movie Pan. He plays Peter Pan in that movie. Um, according to the official character description, quote, 12-year-old Carter is sensitive and shy and couldn't be more different from his mom. As Melissa Benoist's uh, Kara babysits her boss's son and gets to know him better, Carter finally opens up to her, revealing his true feelings for Supergirl. Uh, TVLine.com also made a note in their article that Miller's character is independent of Adam Morgan, Kat's son who appeared in DC Comics, which is an important distinction to make because Adam is the one murdered by Toy Man. And that's actually when I saw that they were doing Cat Grant's son, I was like, oh, no, is that the same son? Are they what? No, that would be so sad. But um, but it's not the same kid. So uh, nothing to worry about, I guess, for for that, although I'm sure they'll put him in danger somehow. And it'll probably be just as harrowing. Do we yeah. think that there is an Adam? Or do we think that Carter is like a replacement for Adam? That's a good question. I mean, there, there's no way, there's no reason why, you know, Adam couldn't be um, Carter's older brother. Mm. Um, I mean, we don't know what Kat's history is in this, you know, universe yet. But yeah, like, I mean, because they're obviously, <laughs> they're going to have Toy Man on this show eventually possibly um so i feel like it's not basically i don't feel like cat's history has been erased i just think that carter might be an add-on because yeah. i feel like they might go back to the adam story at some point it's just you know something that'll be a part of her history that might come up later yeah i was actually kind of hoping there would be an adam in uh, this sh show, just because I think it, it does a lot for the Cat Grant character t for her to have this emotional thing that happens to her, which is really tragic and sad, and it gives more to her character. So if if there is an Adam, I would be very excited about that. But even if there is something that happens to Carter, I think that would be um, captivating too. So hopefully, no matter what happens, this addition to Cat having a son will bring some good three-dimensional stuff for her character. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, because I, I think you kind of need that weakness. She seems like such a strong, you know, independent woman. It'd be kind of cool to see this kind of dynamic as her as a mother and how if that changes her personality at all. Well, now that we're done with all of that awesome casting news, uh, let's get into our discussion of our trade paperback uh, this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the trade Many Happy Returns um, by Peter David. Uh, it's his story arc on the Supergirl title. And the description from DCComics.com says, quote, collecting the hard-to-find final six issues of Supergirl, number 75 through 80, in one handy volume featuring an intro by Peter David and a new cover by Ed Bennis. There are two Supergirls, but which one's to the real deal? Uh, Linda Danvers isn't sure whether Kara Zor-El is for real, but she plans to find out. Can both of them survive the confrontation? Um, this was a really interesting and kind of, it's the most different Supergirl thing I think we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's totally on its own. Like, it's so unlike the, the Sterling Gates and it's so unlike, you know, the earlier stuff that we read. Um, so yeah, let's just get down to it. Um, we've got two Supergirls in the story. Um, what do you think about how those two Supergirls are presented? The differences between the Linda Danvers character and Kara Zor-El. Um, let's uh, let Kat uh, have first crack at that one. Yeah, you know, one thing I love about Linda is that she's this really dark character um, who kind of just took inspiration out of Supergirl in the beginning, and like the beginning, beginning of the series, issue one, and then became Supergirl. Um, but she, you know, she danced with the devil literally uh, throughout the series. And uh, Kara is just just really naive character, like a little sister, and you know, Linda takes her under her wing and and tries to learn from Kara and Kara learns from her. And one of my favorite scenes in in this issue and probably one of my favorite scenes like of all time in comics is when they're talking to each other and saying what does it mean to be a hero? You know, what's the difference of us and these villains? And they're and then we find out that you know, we think they're just laying on bed uh together and just <laughs> like, you know, talking, but then we find out they're flying and uh yeah. and, yeah, and that's just such a, a beautiful scene. I love the the dialogue there and just showing this this sisterhood they have. Uh, so yeah, there are big differences, but I think this what Supergirl stands for is w- what brings them together, and uh, it's such an interesting dynamic. And that's why uh, Many Happy Returns is just one of my favorite arcs of all time. Yeah, I think Teresa, you actually I thought of you when I saw that uh, panel in the book because I think we talked about that. Like, does she uh, does Supergirl ever like? you know, sleep fly, I guess is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so it turns out maybe, maybe she does. <laughs> um, the thing that stuck out to me, just, I guess, on a, a technical level with this book is that Linda has a different power set than Kara Zor-El. Mm. So Linda has powers, you know, and abilities that are different from the other Supergirl. So like Linda had telekinetic blasts, which I'd never seen before. Um, it, but she doesn't have telescopic vision. Um, she sort of made fun of Kara saying that the only power she had was the power of a ninth grade science education. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, it turns out, uh, that Kara is much faster than Linda. So I, I thought that was really interesting that they were both Supergirl, but they didn't have the same abilities. And, um, they also had a, a difference in their history. It seemed like, um, you know, of course, Kara is the one who, uh, says she's from Krypton. She has ties to Argo City. Um, and then she shows up wearing a Supergirl costume. But Linda has this 
other kind of more convoluted, uh, from what I understand, history. And their personalities were different. And I thought that was a, a real stark contrast, too, because uh, Kara sort of starts out as, like you said, Kat, she's a little more naive, and Linda's more of the uh, seasoned superhero. But I, I think um, you see that Linda is, she starts off really confident and um, more heroic. And then towards the end, I felt like she was more, um, like she had a tragic story. And so I kind of thought that their storylines were flipped. So there was, for me, there was a difference in them all around, which I thought was really cool because you got to see different aspects of what a Supergirl would be. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if you read the uh, the Peter David introduction uh, in the trade, uh, but I thought it was really interesting uh, when I read that because he was talking about this particular story arc as a commentary on old school Supergirl um, and the fact that back in the day, you know, when kids were reading comics and like comics were for kids, it was very clear, um, you could get away with a more hopeful kind of outlook. You could get away with heroes being heroes, villains being villains, and doesn't get more complex than that. And you can have completely different um, or completely rather uh, uh, explanations for disappearances or explanations for, hey, I'm Supergirl, even though you just saw me in glasses, but now I just, I left the room and I came back and Supergirl suddenly here. <laughs> like you could have like, uh, you know, explanations that make no sense. And it was fine because that era of Supergirl, that's what they expected. Um, and so Linda Danvers is kind of the more modern Supergirl written by people who grew up with those comics and continue to make comics as adults. So I liked kind of the looking at both of them as like, you know, uh, the Supergirl of an earlier time versus modern Supergirl and what that means and what stories you can tell with them. But I also thought it was interesting that, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like, I, and maybe reading the introduction before the comic kind of tainted my view of it, but I kind of feel like he sold old school Supergirl a little bit short in that he made her like super naive to the point of like ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and she was sweet and she was, she was obviously a good person and, and I loved the relationship between her and Linda so much. But, like, as far as, you know, her not being a hero or being a more inexperienced hero, she still was Supergirl in her other timeline. Yeah. Like, she, you know, it's, it's uh, and I know she didn't, like, experience that because I think because of what happened in the story, and it was a bit convoluted also with what, um, what's his face? The big metal dude. Um, what's his name? Somebody help me out. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to see. Let's see. Are you talking about yeah. what the Spectre says? To them about yeah well, um, what the, spe- the specter the and what that yeah and what the other dude wants like he's he's basically hunting supergirls um the villain in this uh because the supergirl in Kara's timeline is responsible for um keeping him imprisoned and so he wants to kill all the supergirls so that he always remains free no matter what timeline he's in right but anyway so Kara has experience being a superhero and stopping people from you know taking over the world wreaking havoc. So I feel like even though Kara was new to, like, our timeline, to a more modern timeline, I feel like she, you know, even with her innocence and her sweetness and naivete, she could have been written a little more sturdy, I guess, because she she wasn't completely clueless, you know what I mean? But it, it was interesting, the the difference in values between the two of them and the fact that Linda, when she 
decides to sacrifice herself uh, to, you know, because long story short, um, Kara has to die in her timeline in order for, you know, everything to be resolved. And Linda volunteers to take her place. But Linda goes to Kara's timeline and lives her life. And suddenly she sees what it's like to have this really sweet relationship with Superman and have a super horse and a super cat and a super dog and all of that, that awesomeness. And that she like ends up marrying Clark and (laughs) having a kid and having this like sweet, amazing, you know, like almost kind of postcard kind of a life um, that, you know, was Kara's and she sees the value in that. Um, So it's kind of like it, it took her out of her modern kind of darker sensibility a little bit and showed her the other way to live. So the fact that Linda got that, I mean, obviously, and it's her title, too, because she's the current Supergirl as of this book. Right. Um, but it would have been nice to see Kara have a similar attachment to a more modern way of thinking, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, what I liked about what they what happened between the two Supergirls is when Linda goes off into this kind of alternate life, you know, Kara's life, is what happens, in my opinion, is that when Linda leaves, Kara has to kind of assume the mantle of Supergirl in that timeline, I guess, that that reality. And so she, because of her time with Linda and what Linda has taught her, she kind of becomes more aggressive and becomes more of a Supergirl that I recognize like there's one point where she like is kind of taunting this villain and she's like, I'll hurt you worse than you've ever hurt in your whole life. Like she's like smack talking this guy. And I Oh yeah, that's very true. And I, I think it's cool that she when she's left on her own, she realizes her responsibility and kind of what she's capable of. And I think that's because of the influence of Linda and what Linda's taught her about being here, like Kat mentioned, and what what it means to be Supergirl. So I think they kind of teach each other everything. Well, they teach each other things that they maybe didn't know on their own. Yeah, because I feel Linda's, again, such a dark character. So they just balance each other out in in a lot of ways. And then because Kara is obviously the one who ends up be being the supergirl in the end so she just doesn't become this naive supergirl anymore and she grows up like like peter david was saying in the beginning of the book yeah we want to show what comics were before and you know outlook of supergirl what she was before and then by the end of the book she becomes the supergirl of the next chapter after linda danvers run like kind of she's still a little naive but like like in probably supergirl on television show she's a little naive but when she has to be tough she grows and uh but it's always nice to, to have that naive side too this kind of kinder side which i think is such a, a great element from supergirl so I, I think that's what we get to see by the end is that she's not this totally like two-dimensional character of being totally naive but she's like this middle because of linda <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I was actually just flipping through the um, uh, the trade and looking at the conclusion. And really, that last issue is where we get to see all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's really it it really is impressive uh, to watch Kara kind of become that, and also to see like you know with all that talk of um, what makes a hero, to see Linda so clearly embody that, I think is really awesome. Like the not thinking twice and just trying to help somebody, um, even though it doesn't work the way she necessarily wants it to. Um, but she she's willing to put herself in that position to uh, help someone she cares about. And that is pretty amazing to me because, you know, 
as I've said before, my experience with Supergirl has pretty much been from this podcast. And so we've been focusing on Kara. Um, I was less familiar with Linda Danvers. And now I have so much respect for her. Um, and I want to read more of her issues because, uh, you know, clearly she's a very different Supergirl, but she's one that is kind of worthy of the, the mantle. Yeah, I, I like what you uh, kind of uh, were saying about how she embodies heroism because she tells Kara heroism is about accepting responsibilities above and beyond, putting others' interests before yours, making sacrifices, that kind of thing. And I think we see her do that. She puts Kara's interest above herself and she makes a sacrifice for her um, so that, you know, Kara doesn't have to die. And so she goes and lives this other life and, and ends up being tragic for her. You know, she... Uh, doesn't get to come back with her daughter and her relationship with Superman. So I, I think, you know, she took Kara's tragedy on herself in some ways. And so I think we do get to see how wh- how and what makes Linda such a hero. And I think that's really, that's a cool aspect of this book. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, too, that distinction of um, what makes you heroic because uh, – Kara brings up the the whole, you know, well, what about people who do jobs like, you know, if you're a firefighter or a doctor or a teacher, like, clearly those people are heroes, too. Um, and Linda's like, you know, yeah, you're right. Those maybe those are, you know, heroic professions and like choosing to go into those professions is heroic. But being a hero really is going above and beyond because like, you know, for someone who chooses that line of work, they're choosing to do a job and that's their job. Um, but then you have somebody who, you know, isn't a firefighter, but goes into a fire and saves somebody, you know what I mean? Like that's uh, a different kind of heroism that I think they, they both embody. Cause it's not just about them being Supergirl even. It's about, I feel like even if they weren't Supergirl, even if they didn't have the powers, these would be the kind of people who would want to help in that way regardless. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting because Linda's father is a police officer. So I think that's an even more interesting comparison. Mm, yeah. She probably learned things from him and his example, I would, I would assume. Yeah, which is, you know, what's really cool about this, like, uh, towards the beginning, I guess, like, issue 30s or whatever, don't quote me on that, but towards the beginning, um, the parents didn't know that she was Supergirl, but they end up finding out. So you see them, like, really okay with her being Supergirl on these issues, but it took so long for them to accept it. So, and also another interesting reveal here is the friends finally find out that she's Supergirl, and she was obsessed with her, like, literally obsessed, like, creating stuff, like, creating statues. She was an artist before, um, which I think you see in this issue, in this trade, too. Um, And then they're like, oh, you're just obsessed with her. You're like, you know, you're kind of crazy. You think you're Supergirl. But I think it just comes full circle here, where it's like everyone kind of accepts she's Supergirl. but yeah, so I think that's an interesting aspect of this trade too, is like if you're a longtime reader of the Linda Danvers series, you're seeing those come to a close. Like those relationships uh, are kind of cool. Yeah, and I really want to go backtrack and, and, and have a look at all that. Yeah. Um, Leah, let's talk about, because um, I really did like uh, Linda's family. Um, I loved her mom. I loved, you know, <laughs> the fact that she's pregnant and, you know, when <laughs> Linda's kind of like, you're too old. And she's like, I'm not that old. Like, let's everybody <laughs> calm down. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, and the fact that Kara kind of, you know, obviously s- seemed a little, you know, sad because her own family wasn't, you know, isn't around anymore. And I thought that was really great that we got to see that for all that Linda's kind of world and story arc is a little bit darker, that she's the one that had this family that kind of loves her unconditionally and, um, is there for her. And she, 
even as she later like kind of idealizes Kara's life um, and how, you know, sweet it is and how, you know, clear cut their morality is, she's the one that actually got the benefit of having family life um, and having that kind of a home. And I thought it was cool that Linda, when she encounters Kara and and has to <laughs> deal with what to do with her, she's like, you know what, just come home with me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you to my house. You can stay in my room. I'll enroll you in the high school where I am. So I, th- mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that she, um, she and what, not even just uh, Linda being cool with that, her parents were cool with having another Supergirl in the house. So I, th- I thought, yeah, I think seeing that home life and knowing how, um, what kind of life she grew up in, what kind of family she had, I think that influenced a lot of how she was able to treat other people and um, be more accepting of other people. And so, yeah, it was cool to see what what that was like for her. Yeah, I think the family aspect brings, like, a level of groundingness to the story. Like, you know, there's so much going on. There's two Supergirls. There's destruction, uh, going to, like, your future, literally, self-sacrifice. But the family aspect, like, grounds it, you know, Kara went to school, you know, the parents say, oh, well, whatever, they, you know, they have a, you know, the mom's having a, a child. Um, it, it just brings this kind of level, like I said, level of groundingness to the story, which I really like. Um, also talking about it, um, this is more for, because uh, probably you guys haven't read the Linda Danvers stuff. Uh, what's really interesting about the ending is that, you know, we find out that um, Linda's mom has the baby and we find out the name is Wally. Now, why that's interesting is because in the, the beginning of the series we have a kid that follows Kara and his name is Wally and he keeps saying I'm God I'm God and she's like no you're not and the big thing is about the series that you know uh Linda was an angel fallen angel and like she literally was following the devil so this guy was literally saying no I'm God I'm God so we find out that the God was born from her parents which is such a weird like circle if you read hmm. the whole series so oh jeez yeah so you find out that's why in the monologue she keeps talking about god is because that is the ending that her parents gave birth to god in a way <laughs> so it's really cool that is wild yeah that is insane and now i now oh my god i need why have, yeah. i have to go back and I mean, read that now go, go back and reread no totally yeah it's, i it's really uh, yeah good. Because obviously, yeah, we've been concentrating on Kara, but yeah, this Linda Danvers chick is like, you know, no joke. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, just to wrap up the uh, the convo. Um, uh, you know, any final thoughts on the trade? Like, what what you think people will get out of it? Uh, what your favorite parts were? Anything that you haven't yet had a chance to mention that you want to talk about in uh, regarding this trade? Um, you know, I just say pick it up because it, even if you're not a Supergirl fan or if you never read a Supergirl comic in your life, this honestly could be a really good jumping on point because this is a birth of one Supergirl and the death of another, but it's still like her story lives on. I'm pretty sure there's another miniseries after this with Linda. Um, I've read a really long time ago. I forget what it's called, but that was like her last miniseries. Um, but uh, yeah, just read it. Peter David just, you know, has so many great elements in this book. Um, and some of my favorite just moments in comics, period, not just Supergirl moments. Uh, so pick this, one, pick this one up, even if you never read Supergirl. I think it's a good jumping on point. Yeah, I really liked the idea of playing with two Supergirls in the same story. I think in some of the stories we've read, there have been like something of a mirror and a reflection of her, like Supergirl with 
Bizarro Girl or Supergirl with like a like a dark Supergirl or Galatea, something like that. So there there are s- stories like that, but I think this story was actually <laughs> Supergirl and Supergirl, and so I think that did yeah. make, make it much different than the other stories that we've read. So I I'm a big sucker for those kinds of stories where you know a Supergirl has to go up against a reflection of herself and kind of figure out who she is and what she's all about. And I think this story is a really unique take on that because you get to see two two women who are Supergirl, but in a different kind of a way. And so I think that's a really cool read if if you like those kinds of stories. Yeah, I really, um, <laughs> something that we didn't uh, really touch on too much, but the fact that Linda ends up marrying Clark <laughs> um, was really like, I, you know, I flip that page and I see them kissing and I'm like, whoa, wait, what, what, Yeah, what, what like is it's, this? It's, it took a second because I'm like, okay, it's Linda. It's Linda. It's not Kara. It's Linda. It's she's fine. She's not his cousin. Um, <laughs> she's not his cousin. It's fine. It's all fine. Um, but it, it was interesting too because um, uh, that says something interesting about about Superman as well because you think about him and Lois and obviously they're everybody's OTP. <laughs> but um you know, like to think about, you know, Superman kind of falling in love with somebody who he thinks has more of a connection to his home planet um, or who has more of a connection to what he does, his powers. And it's it's like you kind of wonder, like, you know, would that make Superman happier? Like to have somebody who is more like him as opposed to, you know, a human with a penchant for hardcore journalism. Um <laughs> But, you know, I don't want to make Rebecca have to it's hurt okay. me in any it's way. It's totally fine. So, <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I really, I really did enjoy this. Um, I thought the, uh, the, the villains were really interesting, too, in that they, they had more complex uh, – for all that we were looking at a more simple Supergirl in Kara, um, the, the villains here were really <laughs> – there was a lot going on with them. And I think – uh, of all the villains that we've read so far, um, uh, these guys had a a more complex kind of motivation and uh, and stuff going on with regard to time and and you know history and and you know what they wanted out of everything. And so I thought, all in all, like every part of this story was so interesting. The heroes were interesting. The villains were interesting. Um, all of the supporting characters were so re- well written, so that whenever they popped up, I was like, oh, cool. I don't feel like anything's slowing down. Um, yeah, definitely would recommend this one. So yeah, that it wraps it up for, uh, Peter David's many happy returns. Uh, check that out. It is available on Amazon, uh, somewhere. If you could find a used copy, I think I might've gotten the last one. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, let's get into some listener feedback. We got an email from Steven who asked us a couple of questions. The first one was, do you think Supergirl was one of the winners at this year's Comic-Con? So uh, I know Teresa and I didn't get a chance to go, but um, Kat, you did go to uh, San Diego this year, didn't you? I did. I did so, go to San Diego. So, um, so how, do you, how did you think that Supergirl was received there? I think, you know... Once the trailer was released, there were people that were, you know, negative towards the trailer. And I think those people um, became more positive after San Diego. I think, honestly, Supergirl was one of the big winners at San Diego, especially after um, premiering the pilot there. I think they premiered it twice. They they premiered it during um, the WB Presents uh, preview night 
on Wednesday, and they also did it on Saturday with DC TV. And I think a lot of people got excited for Supergirl there. And they also promoted Supergirl a lot. They had the bags, they had everything. So I think just more people are being positive towards the show, which I'm super excited about. I'm happy to see and people giving more of a chance to Supergirl. Uh, so I think it, I think it, it helps Supergirl a lot. And I think people are more excited for the show and see them. Melissa Benoist is going to be a fantastic Supergirl. And I'm glad that she's the helm of this show, you know? So I think more people are excited about that too. That's awesome. Yeah. From everything I could tell, just from an outside perspective that people were talking about Supergirl and people were, like you said, getting those bags and everything. So I think that does a lot to help promote the show at a convention like that. That's so huge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And Stephen also asked us, when it gets closer to October, when the show premieres, do you think cast members like Melissa and Kyler will be hitting the talk show circuit to promote Supergirl? And Stephen, I I don't even have to guess that. That's definitely going to (laughs) happen. They're going to be everywhere. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of the Supergirl cast in October. Um, They'll definitely probably be on late night talk shows. They'll probably be on daytime talk shows. They'll they'll have interviews. They'll have interviews with your local news station. Um, so they'll, they'll be everywhere. And you can even see that now from the billboards that people have been taking pictures of, the, the bus ads, um, all those kinds of things where posters are popping up on buildings and things. So, yeah, I think CBS is really doing a great job of putting it out there that, hey, there's a Supergirl TV show coming, so stay tuned. Even that uh, video yeah. promo. Oh, sorry, Teresa. Uh, no, no please gonna, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say even that video promo of um, where they showed the pilot to like little girls and their mothers. That was like, whoa, that was such a good yeah. promotion. And it kind of came out of nowhere. So CBS is doing a phenomenal job at promoting this show. Definitely. No, they're on it. And like, and, uh, yeah, I was going to mention that video as well as uh, all of the, the photos that they're releasing on Twitter and Instagram. Um, they they're, They seem to be on top of making sure that uh, Melissa Benoist uh, and the rest of the cast are kind of front and center, and and kind of always encouraging them to to share stuff with with uh, the audience because they know that that's what we like to see. Um, they're smart, and they know that that geeks like to interact. So <laughs> um, they they haven't been shy about uh, making sure that we have appropriate hashtags and photos to share and videos to share. Because um, yeah, there, there are the obviously the bus ads and the the billboards and all of that stuff. Uh, in print and whatever, but like, you know, where the show is really going to find its audience is, is via the social media, be, via, you know, things going viral. Um, that's, you know, just kind of how we roll. So they're really smart about that as well. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to have any problems promotion wise for Supergirl. So thanks for sending in those questions, Stephen. And thank you, Kat, so much for, for joining us. Um, I was really excited to get to, to, you know, get to know you a little bit better and, uh, where can, uh, people find you if they want to get to know you more on the internet. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Um, where can people find me? Uh, you can find me on YouTube uh, under Comic You Know, Hey and Claire Heroes. Um, Rebecca mentioned that before. Also, I have a group YouTube channel called Comic Frontline. Uh, you can check that out. Um, of course, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, we are all part of the same DC TV network. Uh, so you could uh, <laughs> check us out over there. We're having a lot of fun there. I'm glad I was be, you know, able to do this crossover. And hopefully you guys one day <laughs> will be able to cross over to our neck of the woods. That would be uh, fun. Totally. Totally. Uh, we'll have to plan that one of these days. Um, and also, I have a comic book, like Father Like Daughter. So uh, 
go check that out also. Uh, and that is pretty much it from me. Cool. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And as always, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Uh, And big thanks to Wheels of Joy for your review on iTunes. Thank you so, so much for listening. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle that Kat mentioned. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, which is the podcast Kat is a co-host of, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. Now you can find me every day at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Sue.com. Uh, you can find me at the Teresa Jacino Experience, which is my blog. That's teresajacino.wordpress.com. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Tumblr, uh, and Facebook. I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Teresa Jacino. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Teresa Jacino Experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And until next time, I'm still Teresa Jacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. Remember that the difference between heroes and villains is that heroes are afraid too. But they're not afraid to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs>